says that he makes his throne upon his praises. So can we just for the next 30 seconds, because we want God to be in our life. We want God's throne to come on, come on. Just give him praise. God, we need you. God, we need you from the inside out. Come on, give him your praise. Come on, don't stop now. If you need him to set up his throne in your heart, come on, don't stop. Come on. Lift your hands. Say, God, we need you. God, we worship you. God, we extol you. God, we bless your name. God, I need you in my life. God, I want you in my life. I can't go on without you, God. I can't face this world without you. Come on, don't stop now. From the inside out, give it to him. Give him the praise. Give him the praise. Give him the praise. God, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. God, we thank you for your presence. God, even before we hear preaching, God, we need your presence. God, in order for your word to resonate in our hearts and our spirits, God, we need your presence. God, there are those under the sound of my voice who are struggling financially, God. They need you to set up your throne in the middle of their situation. God, there are those under the sound of my voice who are struggling with issues of employment. God, they need you to set up your throne in the middle of their situation. God, there are those of us who are dealing with family and marriage issues, and while we come in smiling and holding hands, God, you know that behind the mask we are hurting, and God, we need you right now to set up your throne. God, we can't do it without your presence, just as Moses said to you that we can't go on without you, God. Show us your glory. God, we need our hearts and our minds and our lives to be transformed, but nothing can be transformed outside of your presence. God, we need you. God, we need a world of justice and righteousness. God, we need all the wrongs in this world to be made right, but God, we know that we cannot achieve justice without your presence. God, we need you. We need your presence. No matter whatever happens in our life, through the ups and the downs, through the ins and the outs, God, if we have your presence, we know that we can continue to go on, that we can continue to fight on, that we can continue to pray on, God, that we can continue to show up day after day having the courage to know that even if nothing else is working on my behalf, at least I got you. And so, God, I pray right now for those who are struggling, God, those who need to feel your presence like they've never felt it before, God, I pray that as a result of their praise, you will set up your throne in their hearts that you will begin to change them, God, that you will begin to turn that situation around, God, that whatever it is that they're dealing with, God, give them hope for a bright future because when your presence is in their life, anything is possible in your presence. God, we thank you and we love you so much. Thank you for taking time out to join us here at Tri-Cities Church in Little Old East Point, God, that you have so many places to be and so many miracles to perform and so many things to look after, God, but yet you chose to show up in our little church right here on Ben Hill, God, and we are thankful that you are still in the miracle working business. Thank you for your presence. God, we love you. And even though we could never love you in the same way that you loved us, God, take our worship, take our generosity, take everything that we have, God, and receive it as an offering to you. 
because we thank you, we love you, we praise you, we exalt you, we extol you, for you are great and greatly to be praised. And we pray this prayer in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus Christ. And if you believe that, just say amen, amen, and amen. Well, welcome to Tri-Cities Church. We are uh, in a series, I'm just going to jump right in, and so um, we're in a series called This Is Us. And so if this is your first time with us, I want you to do me a favor. There is something called a connection card in the seat in front of you. You can take that, fill that out, let us know a little bit about yourself, and then if this is your first, second, or third time, maybe you've never filled out uh, a card, but you've been a guest with us, take that card back to where it says Next Steps, and somebody will give you a gift for joining us. But we are just excited that you chose to join us. But more than that, as much as I love you, I'm excited that God chose to join us. And so if you have not been here or you missed one of those sermons in the series uh, called This Is Us, then I encourage you to go back and download the app. If you have a smartphone, you can do that right now. Go to your app store, search for Tri-Cities, T-R-I-Cities. You can download that for free, get all the messages in this series and other messages. You can get updates about what's going on in the church. There's even a Bible reading plan is an excellent tool to help you along your spiritual journey. So let me just kind of give you uh, the essence of this series because I can't give you all the content. This is us. is mostly about, um, it's based on this, this series that many of us have watched on TV and, and I recommend it. It's a great series and we chose to call this This Is Us because when you watch that series, it's about a family uh, and they have all sorts of issues, just like your family and just like our church family. There are ups and downs, there are ins and outs, but there are some core values in that family that seem to center them back to what they are called to do. And that's us as a church. So we've been talking about the six values of our church and why those are important and how through the ins and the outs of the church, we center ourselves around some very important values that are on the banners behind me that continues to be the essence of our mission and our vision for this church and what God is doing. And so go back and listen to those messages. But today we're talking about our value of transformation. Transformation. And that is simply to say, uh, here's kind of the best way I can say it, that um, God loves you just as you are, but he loves you enough to not let you stay as you are. So, so what I like to say is you can come as, at Tri-Cities Church, you can come as you are, but you won't stay as you are. That there are some things that all of us have in our life where we need some growth. We need to be challenged. We need to be transformed. And so uh, we're going to talk about transformation. I don't know if I even gave a subject uh, for this message. Sometimes they don't hit me uh, until the week of. And so while we're talking about authenticity, if you want a subject for this message, uh, I'm going to title this. You could put this on the podcast. OMG. <laughs> OMG. You'll catch that as I, as I make my way through the message uh, if you want to write that down in your notes, uh, meet me at Romans chapter 12. Uh, and I realize we're in the day in context now where everybody doesn't have a Bible. We used to say, turn your Bibles to, but now I just say, meet me. If you want to flip your page, locate it on your phone or your tablet, even if you want to just follow along on the screens. But I'm going to be in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Uh, let's just go to work. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, as we're talking about transformation. Here's what it says in the New Living Translation. Verse 1 of chapter 12. And so, dear brothers and sisters, your version might say, therefore. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you 
to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable, the the kind that, that God will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship. Some other translations, I love it because it says, this is your reasonable service. Based on what God has done in your life, here's what Paul is saying, the least you could do is give him your whole heart. Then he goes on to say, and don't, verse 2, copy the behavior and customs of this world. Here we go, transformation. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let me just take pastoral privilege and parenthetically pause because there are some of us in here who we are trying to find out our purpose. I want to know why am I here and God, what do you have for me and what's the reason for this and what's the reason for that? Well, Paul says, here's how you do it. He says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Uh Oh, verse three, because of the privilege and authority God has given me. Here's what Paul says. Here's what I'm saying to you as your pastor. I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Ouch. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Verse 3, I want to read that again because Paul, he then, after he gives them this little greeting, he says, because of the privilege of being your pastor and the authority that God has given me, here's the challenge I give to each one of you. Don't think you're better than you really are. But be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Okay, so I just want to throw these up front. And and I realize um, y'all going to have to y'all going to have to give me some leeway here because I realized as I was doing this message, uh, I might not even make it through all my notes. I'm just going to stop when the Holy Spirit says stop and we'll pick it up next week. Because I don't want to rush this. And this series might go on longer than six weeks because the next couple of weeks we've been talking about the first couple of weeks, our values, and we've been applying them to ourselves and as a church. But the next couple of weeks are going to be about having a vision for your personal life and a vision for this church. And I can't rush it. I can't rush it. Paul says that there are some things that we need to do in order to be transformed. And so I'm going to give you the punchline up front. We may not even make it through all four of these, but here's what I want you to know, because in those three verses, Paul gives us four things that we need to know about being transformed. Number one, he, mean, he tells us that transformation assumes change. It assumes change that I don't want to be this time next year the same Lamar I am now. In Christianity, catch me, this is not your notes, this is free, fresh, hot out the oven. In Christianity, watch this, there's no neutrality. You're either getting better or you're getting worse. That when you're followed, you notice that Jesus is Uh, initial call to his disciples was to do what? Follow me. In other words, if I find that I'm not growing, maybe it's because I've stopped following. That God is always on the move and he asks us, 
to follow him because as you follow him, you'll find out one day as you're following Jesus, you'll wake up and say, I don't remember the last time I cussed on Sunday. (laughs) Some of y'all, that's not your testimony. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I don't even remember the last time I lied. Why? Because Jesus didn't ask them to fix themselves. He said, follow me. And as you follow me, as you stay on the move, as you're hot on God's trail, one day you wake up and realize I'm a new person. And it wasn't because I tried to fix me. It was because I decided to follow him. In Christianity, there's no neutrality. It assumes change. If, if you've been a Christian, if you're not this morning, I'm glad you're here. This church is created for people who don't do church. But if you are a Christian, let me just talk to the home team. And you've been a Christian for 10 years and you're still struggling with that. Maybe there's some transformation. You know what that is. I don't got to get in your business. Just look straight ahead. You know what that is. And you've been wrestling with that for a long time. And, and I still think like that. And I still do that. And it's still hard for me to do this. And it's hard for me to obey. I'm not trying to judge anybody because can we be honest? Everybody in here is not doing something this is. But at some point, Paul says, transformation assumes there's some changes. Here's the second thing. Transformation is a process. I don't want you to be afraid thinking that and that's maybe one of the ways that the church has got it wrong is because we made people think that once you confess Christ, all of a sudden, abracadabra, now you're different. And maybe some of the things that we need to understand that transformation is a process. When I'm following Jesus and I'm hot on God's trail, there's a process that takes that he takes me through that I start to become a different person. It doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, you're going to struggle with some of the stuff that you struggle with because let's be honest, you've been doing that for 20 years and you've been a Christian for two. It's going to take some time for God to work that out of you. That's why I tell people, thank God for the struggle. Some of y'all missed that. Because isn't there stuff that you used to do and you didn't think nothing about doing it? You just did it and didn't care about who it hurt, how it hurts you. You didn't care anything about how it hurt God. But I thank God that while I'm not perfect, at least there's some stuff that I do now. And even though I know I'm not supposed to do it, I feel something. I'm struggling with that. It's a process. Number three, in those three verses, Paul tells us that transformation is not only a process, but it needs a process. There's nothing that God is calling you to do and to become that's not going to require, watch this, some discipline. I need a process by which God can transform my life. That's why I said I don't know that I'm going to get through everything Today, because when we're talking about being transformed, it's going to require you to understand what's the process. And then here's the fourth thing that that Paul says in just those three little verses. Number four, transformation requires devotion. That if I'm going to be the new person that God intends for me to be, it's going to require for me to be devoted to the process. That come hell or high water, I'm sticking with Jesus. By now. The devil should know that I'm not going back, that I'm devoted, that he's going to try some stuff to get you off course. He's going to try some stuff to distract you. But when you are living a life of transformation, you have decided to follow Jesus no matter what. I don't care how much money I got in the bank account. I'm still sticking with Jesus. I don't care what they say about me on my job. I don't care how things are going existentially. I'm sticking with Jesus. It's a process. There's a devotion that's required to being a disciple. 
And here's what Paul is doing, because I told you uh, verse number one in chapter 12, you got a different version. It says, therefore, and I was always taught when I went to seminary, whenever you run up on a therefore, you got to know what it's there for. So I tell people, be careful. It's one thing to know what the Bible says. It's a whole other different thing to know what it means. Don't just jump into a text and start reading it without understanding the context. So Paul says in chapter 12, verse 1, therefore, my brothers and sisters, well, what is the therefore? Therefore, it's because Paul in Rome, is he's writing this church to Christians in Rome, and some of those Christians are Gentiles or basically non-Jewish people. They're all different ethnic backgrounds, but they're non-Jewish people. And then they're also Jewish Christians, Jews who have started to follow Christ. And what Paul is dealing with as he's writing this letter to the Roman church is there's a little bit of friction between those two groups because the Gentile Christians, those who are non-Jewish, started to, okay, some of y'all old school South like me, y'all feel this, they started to smell themselves. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all got that grandma who used to say, you know, when you started to, okay, here's another version. You're getting too big for your britches. You think you know too much. Okay, now both sides are feeling me. And he says, wait a minute, uh, Gentile Christians, they thought they were all that because they were telling the Jewish Christians that the reason why God came to get us is because y'all were ignoring God. So that makes us special. And so Paul would say to them, wait a minute, y'all smelling yourselves. You're, you're getting too big for your britches. Don't ever forget that the reason why God had to come and get you is because you were outside of God's will. You were outside on the margins that nobody really wanted you. You were out here. Anybody ever realize that when nobody else wants you, God wants you? He says, don't feel yourself too much. And then he's also got to deal with the Jewish Christians who are saying, now nah, y'all lucky to get in. Like, we're the ones. We, we come from Abraham. We were born with the right lineage. We were born from the right person. We were born and we've done everything right. We follow God's laws. And what Paul is dealing with is a church that's divided because one side is thinking they're special. The other side is thinking you're special. And then Paul tells him, look, I don't want anybody to think they're better than anyone else because all is level, watch this, at the foot of the cross. That's why we say that whether you've been a Christian for 20 years or 10 minutes or not a Christian at all in Tri-Cities Church, we don't play that game about who gets to set up front and who's more special than another. And you've been here longer and you're more saved than that person. Why? Because all of us in here, because we need Jesus. Therefore, verse 1, he says, now that I got you straight, because that's pretty much verse, that's pretty much chapters 1 through 11. He's trying to get them straight. Therefore, now we know what the therefore is there. He said, I don't want you to get any, I don't want you to get high and mighty. You're smelling yourself. You're getting too big for your britches. This is all about the grace of God. Verse 1, chapter, verse 1, chapter 12. Therefore, my brothers and sisters. Therefore, uh, I love how he says, uh, he says this in the, New International Version. I asked him to put that up on the screen for you because I read from the NLT. But what I love uh, that he has two foundational concepts of Christianity and the church. And this is going to apply to you personally and to us as a church as we're seeking to be a, a community of transformation. Listen to what he says uh, in the NIV version. He says, watch this. I urge you. Therefore, I, I, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, I'll just stop right there because he says to give yourselves as living sacrifices. But I love NIV because he says, therefore, now that you know you're not all that and we're all equal, therefore, I urge you to, to give yourself, my brothers and sisters, why? Why should I give myself? What, what is the foundation for that? What is the foundation? Because he talks about transformation in the next verse. He says, I, I urge you. Some of y'all uh, may not have read this. 
uh, ever in Greek, and I'm not here to, to impress you with some $2 words, but can I just tell you, in some versions, uh, if you're old school like me, old school King James, it says, I beseech you. You remember that? You know, because I grew up where you had to memorize the King James, or I'm sorry, the Kang James version. <laughs> you know, the Bible Jesus wrote. That's the real Bible. That's what we were taught. And he says, I, I beseech you. I, I urge you. Listen, listen, listen. Look, look at me. That is a military term that says, stand together at attention. You think you're better than they are, and they think you're better. He says, no, if we're going to be transformed as individuals and a church, therefore, I urge you, I beseech you, stand together, stand at attention. Here's some instruction I'm about to give you. Don't be divided. Be united. You know why? Because God cannot transform in a community that's divided. He says, don't, don't get it twisted. I beseech you, stand at attention because I'm about to say something important to you. Stand at attention. I, I urge you. Then he says, in view of God's mercies. Okay, some of y'all missed that. I, I was at a conference uh, this past week, uh, and, and it was good for me because I just needed somebody to feed me. Uh, and I ran into some, some, some uh, colleagues that I had gone to school with, and, and I had my contacts on, and one of them said, man, I hardly recognize you because uh, you didn't have your clear lenses on. He said, that's that's your brand. That's who you are. That's how we know who you are. That's, and, 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 and he would ask me, you know, are those like real glasses or are those just for fashion? I said, no, brother, they real. Because your boy can't see nothing without these glasses. I just happen to have my contacts on. And, and it dawned on me that a lot of what we deal with when it comes to being transformed is, watch this, we're not in view of the right stuff. Okay, some of y'all missed it. Can I go back? The text, he says, uh, I urge you, I, I beseech you, stand up at attention, brothers and sisters. We're not divided. We are united as a church. And here's why you should do what I'm getting ready to tell you next. Because you got a glimpse. Okay, some of y'all, y'all looking like y'all don't really feel me. Let me go over here. <laughs> he says, in view of God's mercy. Okay, I thought y'all were going to have church with me because he says the reason why you're getting ready to do all this stuff I'm about to tell you about presenting your body and being a living sacrifice and allowing your mind to be transformed is because one day you just got to sit and get a view and a glimpse of God's mercy. Is there anyone in here under the sound of my voice who can just stroll back down memory lane and just say, you know what? God has been good to me. That God has been merciful. Come on now. Some of y'all, you got a medical mercy that when the doctors told you that it was over, God gave you some mercy. When the doctor said, I'm glad that we caught this when we did because it was going to kill you. That's a medical mercy. Some of y'all got a marriage mercy. You were on the rocks and it was almost over and God gave you some mercy. Some of you got a Divorce mercy. It didn't work out, but God still showered you with love and mercy and grace. Some of y'all not feeling me. Some of you got a money mercy because when you didn't have two nickels to rub together, somehow God showed up and he pressed it down and he shook it together and it was running over. Paul says, here's why you should do what I'm telling you to. Because of his mercy. 
Y'all not really feeling me like I want you to because maybe some of y'all, you know, I'm not preaching to all y'all. Maybe there's just three of us who know that I got some dirt under my fingernails. I got some stuff in my past. There's some mistakes that you don't even know about. There's some tears that I cried at night that nobody knows about but me and Jesus. If you feeling me, throw your hand up and say, I feel that, Pastor. I got some stuff in the back of my mind. I got a history. And Paul says, you want to be transformed? The first thing you got to do is get in view of his mercy. God has been good to me. He's been better than I deserve. The only reason I stand on this stage as your pastor is because God's been good to me. It ain't because I'm qualified. It's not because I got education. It's not because I've always done stuff right. But somehow God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies those who he calls. Anybody here that you got a job that you know you didn't qualify for? You don't got the education. There's some folks who should have had what you had. But it's because of his mercy. He says the first step to transformation is don't act like God hasn't done anything for you. See, maybe some of the reasons why I don't change is because we get what I call spiritual amnesia. You know what I'm talking about, where we just go men in black on God. We neuralize ourselves and we forget all of the stuff. But the Bible says, forget not the benefits of the Lord. Has he done anything that has benefited your life? Has he done anything that has changed you? Has he made a way when there was no way? Has he been the person that you can call on when you couldn't call on anybody else? He says, I urge you to get in view of his mercy. Sometimes you just got to be able to sit back. See, that's why the conference was good for me this week. Y'all can tell I'm fired up. I told him that downstairs I feel a Baptocostal spirit on me this morning. <laughs> if I start tuning up, y'all just go with me. He says, he says, I need you to get in view of his mercy. That, that you, you can't be transformed by the renewing of your mind because you forgot what God did for you. Come on now. You haven't always lived where you live, drive what you drive, eat how you eat. Come on now. You haven't always been the type of person that everybody thinks you are. Come on now. You know what I'm talking about. Everybody thinks you got it going on, but you know that it's only because of his mercy. Paul says, I beseech you. I, I urge you. Stand at attention. In view of God's mercy, two principles there. As he's calling the church to, watch this, vision and unity and perspective and participation. Okay, so now I've got to be honest with you. I'm going to say some challenging stuff over the next couple of weeks. I told you I'm not going to get through all of this today, but I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to push you. I'm going to bowl down your lane, drive up in your driveway, sit on your front porch and drink all your Kool-Aid. <laughs> and read your mail while I'm doing it. Because Paul says, you catch what he says, he says, uh, because of the, uh, of the authority and the privilege that God has given me, I'm going to challenge you with some stuff that we all need to hear. First of all, get in, his, get in view of his mercy. There's got to be the proper view because if we're going to have any vision for our personal lives and any vision and unity for the church, the first thing we got to understand is we got to get in this view. We got to get in view of his mercy. We got to have perspective because can I just tell you something? As we push forward as a church and we ask you to participate, your participation will be dictated by your perspective. Most people who don't change and don't grow and don't invest in the ministry of the church. I'm not just talking about this church. I'm talking about the universal church. It's because Paul says, you forgot what God did for you. And the reason 
that I'm not doing what God is calling me to do is not because the choir don't sing right. Amen, lights. Amen, lights. I'll just. It ain't because the preacher is not preaching right. He says, you know what your problem is? Okay, I'm bowling now. I'm going to shine it up. You forgot who blessed you. You forgot about his mercy. He says, when you do that and you have the right perspective, there's some participation. And then Paul goes on to say this because he says that transformation assumes change. So then he says, at the verse one, he says that I want you to, I want you to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, the kind that God will find acceptable. And, and the way, that's the way to worship him. And then he goes on to say, let God transform you into a new person. Yeah, I love that. Because anybody else in here like me, you love new stuff? Come on, now, y'all don't got to be shy. This is one of those moments where you can admit to it. I like new stuff. Like, I don't like old stuff. I, you know, people are all on this vintage stuff. You know, let's get... Uh, let's go back and get vintage records. And I like, that's cool and all, but I like my MP3. I like my MP4. I, I like new stuff. And, and Paul says, you like new stuff? Let God transform you into a new person. Wait a minute. I thought I was fine the way I was. Didn't you just say, Pastor, God loves me the way I am? Yeah, but you didn't catch the B clause, but he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. Why is that important? Because if the old you was so good, you would need God. Somebody just, I'm going to let that marinate for a second. Come on now, can we be honest? Your way, come on now, I'm bowling, is what got you in that mess. The way you think is the reason why you're in that mess in the first place, the reason why I'm in debt is because I didn't include God in my finances. The reason why my marriage is not working the way that it should is because I forgot what God said about how I'm supposed to love my wife. The reason why I'm in this mess is because of the old me. See, the problem is not, okay, can I read your mail? The problem is not everybody else. The problem is, watch this. This is what transformation is. It's not in my notes. It's free. It is closing the gap, watch this, between my confession and my conduct. Whew, that's, that's good stuff right there. I'm going to give myself an offering for that one. I wish I was down there with y'all so I could listen to me. Transformation is me trying to close that gap between what I say I am and who I really am. Come on now, come on now. You know the private you is the one, that, the one that gets you in trouble. The public you is fine. Everybody sees you. You're doing your thing. You're studying the Bible. You're coming to church. That's not the problem. The problem is that there's another side of me that nobody sees but God, that nobody knows about but God, that nobody knows I'm struggling with God. The private you is the problem. The public you is cool. You do everything you're supposed to do. You're everything that everybody thinks you are. The problem is on the other side of that, there's a me. Paul said like this, the stuff that I don't want to do, I end up doing. Anybody got that testimony? And the stuff that I should do, I don't do. He says, who is going to save me? Watch this. Not from the world. Who's going to save me from myself? Matter of fact, just bump your neighbor and say, you ratchet. Hey, hey, I want him to come back. Don't scare him. Don't scare him. I want him to come back next week. 
I need him to come back next week, but can we stop playing games? Come on now. There's a part of me where there's this gap between my confession and my conduct. Who I say I am and who I say I want to be and what I'm actually doing with my life. And for many of us, there's different areas. I'm not going to get in your business like that. You know what it is. You know where the gaps are. You know where there's a gap between what you say you want to do and what you say and what you are actually doing between what I say I believe and how I'm actually demonstrating whether or not I believe that. Come on now. You know that there's some gaps in your life. I know there's some gaps in my life. That's why Paul says that if you want things to stay the way that they are, keep being the same old you. But I refuse, I might just be by myself, but I'm going to have church. I refuse to be the same person I was when Jesus found me. I refuse to spend one more day being the same Lamar that I used to be. This time next week, I just want to be a little bit better. I'm not competing with you. I'm competing with me. This time next year, I want to be a better version of myself because I've been following Jesus. I refuse to stay the same. It is impossible to follow Jesus and not be changed. And I don't know about you, but I'm making a declaration. And even as a pastor of this church, I want to make a declaration. Let's refuse to be the same. This time next year, we ought to be better. This time next year, we want to see more people baptized, more people preaching the gospel to more people. We want to make a bigger impact on this neighborhood. This time next year, I want us to be bigger than what we are right now because we don't want just a big church. We want a big heaven. We want to make a big impact. We refuse to stay the same because wherever God is, there's got to be some transformation. I refuse to be the same old me. Paul says, let God transform you into a new person, but did you notice that he says, let? I tell people all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of y'all call it that. I tell people all the time the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He ain't going to make you do nothing you don't want to do. It's an invitation. Jesus says, come and follow me. I'm inviting you to a life that will change you forever, but you got to make the decision. Paul says, let God do it. I remember having a conversation with someone uh, years ago, and they were saying that, oh, I don't know, Pastor, I can't. This is a previous church. They, Pastor, I don't know if I can do it. I don't have the strength. I said, no, you're stronger than you think you are. They said, how do you know? I said, let me, let me tell you why. You're so strong, there's some stuff that even God can't get you to do. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Stop telling me you can't. Because if you can resist God, I know you can resist that stuff. I know that you, now you might need some help, you might need some counseling, you need an accountability group, but don't tell me what you can do because God has been trying to get you to do something for years and you won't do it because you got some strength on the inside. Is there anybody here that knows that you're stronger than what you think you are, that you can be better, that you can grow, that you can go further, that you can be everything that God has called you to be and every place that God has called you to go, stop saying you can't. Paul says, let him do it. Let him transform you into a new person. So he says, here's, here's how you do it. So now that I got your attention, I'm get, I got your attention on what you should be paying attention to. You got to get your, your eyes on the mercy of God. He says, let him transform you into a new person. Here's something else for my note takers. Transformation, I don't know if you caught this, begins with changing the way 
You think. He says, let God transform you. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. But let God transform you by renewing your mind. See, see, that's the part where people don't understand because we made Christianity uh, purely an emotive faith. You got to feel it, and you should feel it. There's some stuff when God's presence is around, you should feel it. But he says, this ain't going to take place, watch this, because you feel it. Some of us, the problem is we've been waiting to get that goosebump or that feeling before we let God change us. He says, no, 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 no. This one right here is a decision. You ain't going to always feel it. You ain't always going to feel like praying. Can I be honest with you? You ain't always going to feel like studying the word. You ain't always going to feel like being generous. Watch this. You ain't always, oh, I'm about to throw some shade, feel like coming to church. But forsake not, St. Paul, the assembling. In other words, Paul says, don't forget the importance of coming together every week to worship God. Watch this. Even when you don't feel like it. He says, let God change the way you think. You know what most of our problem is, self-included? I think I'm smarter than God. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? God, I know better. I'll just do it this way. I like this way better. I'll try it if my way don't work out, then God, then I'll try you. Right? Am I right? Y'all don't look at me like I'm the only one who does that to God. And God is saying, you know, I am smarter than you, right? If you let me change the way you think, it'll change the way you live. You're not always going to feel it. I like to tell people, it might not always feel good, but I promise you it's for your good. He says, let God change you into a new person by changing the way you think. Purpose, watch this, always follows perspective. Did you catch what he says? Let God change the way you think. And then, okay, some of y'all looking at me because you forgot what it says. He says, verse 2, don't copy the behavior or customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. Some of us have been chasing God's purpose, but we refuse to allow God to change our perspective. God, what am I supposed to do? He says, I got to get you to think right first. Can I just say this? God never reveals his will in shady places. I'm just going to let that marinate like a, good, like a good steak. Just let it soak in the juices. Maybe some of the reason why it's hard for me to understand what God wants me to do is because I got this shadow over me that's impacting the way I think. He says, let God transform the way you think. Then it gets clear. It gets real clear. Oh, okay, God, now that, I'm, now that I'm changing the way that I think, now that I'm removing myself from under that shadow of, of people and perspectives and ideas that don't necessarily line up with God and God's word. He says, when you get a new perspective, when you allow God to change the way you think, then you will know why you're here. There is nothing that is more unfulfilling than waking up every day, punch the clock, nine to five, and you have no idea why you're here. You know what I'm talking about. Come on. 
And it's just one thing after the other every day. God says, you want to know? Paul says, you want to know? Let God change the way you think. And then all of a sudden it gets clear as to why I'm here. Okay, I'm just going to end with this last couple of things because I told you we're not going to get through all of this today. So let me just review for you real quick. Remember I said transformation assumes change. Transformation is a process. Transformation needs a process. We'll get to that next week. Transformation requires devotion. I'm going to roll this message over the next week because I don't want to keep you. But here's the thing that we got to understand. Paul says, remember this, he said in verse number three, because of the privilege and the authority. I hope you know that I consider this a privilege. It's a privilege to be your pastor. It's a privilege to stand up here and break open God's word. But Paul also says, and the authority. That when you're called to do what God has called us to do, you got to speak it with some authority. So can I say this? With some authority, I don't want you to get your feelings hurt. Coming straight from the Bible, he says, I give each of you this warning. You ready? Don't think you are better than you really are. If you're going to be transformed, if you're going to be changed, first thing I got to realize is there's room for growth. There's, there are some areas, I don't even know what it is, I'm not even going to get in your business, that's between you and God, but let's be honest now, are there some areas in your life where you've been acting like you're better than you really are? I already know what mine are, I'm working on them, I already know what they are, I'm working on them, I went to a conference this past week, and I realized, Lamar, there's some stuff you got to work on. But Paul says, you want to be transformed? Don't think you are better than you really are. Here's, here's my, my last couple of statements. Number one, when it comes to change, honoring God requires honesty with self. Honoring, I've said this in, in past messages I've preached all over, honoring requires honesty. He says, I'm, I'm calling you to do something here. Get in view of God's mercy. Let God change the way you think. You want to honor God? Because remember he says, give God your life. Make your life a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable or honoring to God. He says, it's going to require some honesty. Let's get real with ourselves. Are there places where I'm not as far along as I should be? I don't know what it is. It might have been one of these values. It might have been generosity or authenticity. It might have been anything that we preached over the last several weeks or this stuff. I told you already that there's always something in this that we're not doing. Okay, I'm going to be transparent so y'all can be transparent. You know which one gets me? When Jesus says, pray for people who use you. Ooh. Did y'all read when he said that? <laughs> he said, love people who don't love you. Because even people who don't know me love people that I love. He said, I'm not impressed by that. Pray for folks who you know are using you. No, oh, Jesus, have you seen what they did to me? Can I be honest with you? I don't do that. I'm just, I'm just going to keep it real with you. Ain't no way I'm going to waste all this powerful prayer. <laughs> On oh, somebody I know that don't like me. I'm just being real. <laughs> can I be honest with you? Because when I pray, I go in. You know, my wife can tell you, I go in. I shut my door. I'm in there for about an hour. I go in. But I realize now one time have I prayed for somebody who I know don't like me. 
I'm just being real. Jesus says, you just praying for your family, your friends, your church, your community. That don't impress me. Pray for people you know that don't like you. And watch this. Pray for people that you don't like. I got to be honest with myself. Jesus, I need you to help me with that. Like the disciples said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I can't, I, I can't really, I can't feel you on that one. You got to have to work on my heart. Because the last thing I want to do is bless my haters. Can I just be, come on now. Let's just be real. God's working on me. Y'all pray for your pastor. He ain't done with me yet. He says honoring requires honesty. Here, here's the last thing I'll give you. And then we'll pick up next week. So y'all just save the notes because we're not going to get through all of them. Evaluation is essential for transformation. Do you catch what he said? He says, don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your what? Evaluation. Of who? Of my haters. Because I know everything that y'all are doing wrong. Come on now, you know what I'm talking about? That's why Jesus says, uh, don't say to your brother or sister that they have a, a speck in their eye when you got a big old plank. <laughs> you do realize the translation there is like four by four. You got this big old plank in your eye trying to tell me to get the crust out of mine. In other words, he says, your flaw finders are faulty. The reason why I don't have time to be judging you because Paul says, evaluate yourself. What am I not doing right? Where, where can I grow? Okay, I'm going to bowl down the lane. As a church, what can we do better? How can we be more accommodating and loving? And how can we reach the community? How can we open our doors up wide to those who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? How can we make room for those that don't know Jesus? How can we not just be concerned about ourselves, but how can we be transformed into a church that wants everybody to get in? Remember what Paul says, I'm calling you to order. Paul says, and here's most of our problem. We spend most of our energy evaluating everybody but us. Am I just being honest? I told you I'm going to say some challenging stuff this morning. But you know, if you had a list of stuff that was wrong, most of the stuff on that list will be what somebody else is doing. Am I right? Paul says, you want, you want to be new? Start with me. Thank you, Mike. He says, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. Evaluate yourself. I'm going to give that to you. This is the last time. Evaluation is essential for transformation. Here's what I want you to do. Uh, Ban, y'all can start coming back up. You can save the notes uh, on the PowerPoint for next week because I knew I wasn't going to get through all of it. And it might take me several weeks. You're just going to have to be flexible with me because we're headed in a direction individually and as a church that's going to require us to be different, to be new, not, not getting rid of what we, what we believe, but we got to be transformed. And so, as they come, I want you to do this. This is your homework this week. Start with what Paul says. Evaluate yourself. What are some areas that I know that I can be better? Nobody's ever going to be perfect, but come on. There's some gaps. You know what I'm talking about. Between my confession 
In other words, everything that I confess when I confess to be a Christian, if you are, there's a gap between that and my conduct. And don't think you're going to get it all straight in a week or two weeks or a year. All I'm going to challenge you to do is pick two. Pick two areas, and if you say you ain't got two, I'm going to tell you right now, one of them is lying. So I just gave you one. Just pick two and say, God, help me to evaluate myself in these areas, how I can be better for you, how I can be better for this church, how you can transform the way that I think so that I can become that new person. This is a time now where we're going to prepare to, uh, to do two things. We're going to give uh, and we're going to celebrate what was given to us. And so there, there are several ways to give. You can go online, you can give to the app. There are receptacles here. Um, you can give a check, whatever, however you want to do that. If, if you're a guest, don't feel pressure. We don't want you to feel any pressure unless God puts that on your heart. Also, I want to remind you, we're still trying to make this push for VBS. And I ask you if I can get 100 of you over the next couple of weeks to give $40 over and above your regular tithe. I already did it. And I actually said I can do more, and I did it. I'm just trying to lead by example. If you can do that, help us so that we can take care of some repairs in the building because we want our children to be safe. But then also so that none of the children that come in from the community have to pay for anything. We want to be a blessing to them. Free t-shirt, meals every night. We want to make sure that we got the building safe, that all the supplies that we need. It's going to take about $4,000, so I ask you, there's 100 of us that can do that. And listen, you can split that up over the next couple of weeks. If you want to give 10 extra every week, that's cool. But we need you to do that so that we can be a blessing to this community. And then, most importantly, we're going to celebrate communion. This is what we celebrate what was given to us. For God so loved the world that he gave. And so we celebrate what Jesus gave to us on the cross. I'm going to pray. The prayer team is in place. If you need prayer, I'm going to pray. And then when I'm done, you can come forward and give and take communion. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this opportunity to celebrate what we have been given in Jesus Christ, but also an opportunity to worship you through our giving. God, help us to understand that generosity is not a wallet issue, it's a worship issue. That I worship you with everything I have, including my resources. And so God, I pray that you would bless us to be generous, even more generous. Maybe that's an area where I need to grow. And then God, I'm sensitive. Bless those who may have a need who are not in a position to give, God, I pray that you will bless them with jobs and resources so that they can be generous because you said in your word that you will give seed to the sower. And so, God, as we celebrate what you've given us and as we celebrate by giving to you, we're not repaying you because what you gave us, we can never repay you. But take our little bit, stretch it, multiply it, help us to do ministry in this community so that we can be an example of what it means to love and to love is to give. God, we thank you and we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.